Hey everybody, welcome to our podcast, and I uh, hope you're hanging in there with finals. It's almost over. For those of you done, congratulations. Hi. So today we're talking about Ephesians 6, and um, the first part, uh, one thing that struck me about um, what Apostle Paul says about these relationships, whether it's children to father, father to children, and then bond servants to masters, and masters to bond servants. I was thinking about what um, one of the big themes that he that overarches all of these relationships is just how um, all of them should be within the bounds of our lordship to Christ. Because he says, "Obey your parents in the Lord," and then for the fathers, it's like raise them up in discipline and instruction in discipline in instruction of the Lord. And then for the bond servants, it's with fear and trembling as you would Christ. And um, anyway, so I was just thinking about the fact that a lot of the overarching, um, like the, the overarching relationship that governs all of these relationships really should be our relationship to God. And um, so our relationship to God needs to affect how we relate to each other and um, even for one of the most difficult relationships, which was in this, you know, passage, it's bond servants to the master. And um, some of the commentaries were talking about how a lot of the, a third of the Ephesian world were bond servants, um, i.e. slaves. And so many of them were integral to, um, to every household, which is why Apostle Paul addresses, you know, this relationship in particular. So anyway, um, you know, what what needs to set apart Christian relationships is the fact that God is the master over all, over each one of us, and he shows no partiality. And so that should affect how we relate to one another. I think just to pick up from chapter 5, verse 21, um, you know, he says, submitting to one another out of reverence for the for Christ. I think that's the context always whether it's husband and wife or father and children or, you know, in this situation, that's what he's uh, trying to focus on. So just um, I think that's always the context of submission and humility before others. Um, kind of moving on to the uh, the next section, I think for me, really, it, it, it was a lot about the spiritual battle. So from verse 10, as he gives his final charge, he says, be strong in the Lord and um, in the strength of his might. Uh, and then he goes on to a list of the things that you need to do for the full armor of God. Um, but actually, Ellen had a point here that she wanted to talk about in terms of the strength of the Lord. Yeah, so it says um, in verse 10 that, you know, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And what kind of struck me about that is that, you know, it's saying to be strong, but not strong in yourself, but in the Lord and in the strength of his might, not in our might. And so... I think, you know, oftentimes because we feel so weak, we feel like, no, I need to become a stronger person. Um, I need to be strong, but that's not what, you know, Apostle Paul is saying. He needs, he's saying we need to become stronger in the Lord and in his might. And that's where we can find strength. Yeah. So as he goes through this list of, of what we need to need to do uh, to be strengthened, um, and putting on the full armor of God. I think the whole context here is really that he's bringing the awareness that there's a spiritual battle and uh, that there is, um, and the Bible is very un, unembarrassed about using military imagery, about fighting and wars and conquering and 
describing our condition and even our human struggle against spiritual forces, as he uh, says here, and that Christian life is a life of spiritual warfare. Of course, it's not like we have enemies to kill, but rather the enemy is the powers and authorities of this world and in the ways our culture and how uh, the devil uses uh, the, fo the forces of our culture even. And even when you mention something like the devil, like it does here in, um, you know, in verse 11, uh, it, we kind of take a pause, I think, because we, we get a little embarrassed to even think about it because I think of our maybe, you know, uh, high school classics literature class, we think of this red-horned creature with a pitchfork and fire, and it just seems very, um, like, passe and unintelligent and unsophisticated. And, of course, this is what medieval art conjured up, but this is the reality that there is a devil, that he's real, he exists. And I think one of the things of the devil that he's done is to convince us that he, the greatest trick they say the devil played is to convince everyone that he doesn't exist. And I think when we forget that there's a spiritual battle, that's when we fall into a huge lull and spiritual danger. And I think especially this is appropriate for us as we enter into the summer and school's ending and uh, there's even transitions in our ministry or in our lives, um, you know, school ending, new jobs, or even if you're, uh, getting married, having kids, those are the times when we need to be most spiritually vigilant. And so I just thought this passage comes at just such a, a perfect time as we're thinking about what is it we need to do to prepare for. And there's a, a spiritual battle that's raging on uh, all around us. And of course, there's not like orcs and that we're fighting and killing. And sometimes it would be easier if we could see the enemy in that way. But it's much more um, subtle than that. And I think actually deceptive. It's It's the comfort of our lives, of home, of uh, just vegging out on the couch or receding into uh, just the online world and videos and movies and media and just taking all of that in and forgetting that there is a spiritual battle that we need to rage on, that's raging on, that we need to fight. So the main weapons that we have um, to fight in this battle, it's it's the word and, and prayer. You know, that's um, what it talks about here, where you know, the word of God is the sword of the spirit and prayer. Um, you know, we have to pray in the spirit for um, others and for ourselves. And that's how, um, you know, those are the weapons that we have to fight the spiritual battle. Yeah, I was um, this past week, I've been in uh, a bunch of classes for Biola, yeah, you know, the master's program that I'm in. And um, got to hear from different apologetics, uh, um, you know, apologists like Sean McDowell, William Lane Craig, and, and others for various seminars. And of course, it's been very intellectually stirring. It was interesting. Uh, someone asked them, hey, so what's the one thing that you think we in the church, we need to teach on? Um, and it was interesting because you kind of would expect these uh, professors and these PhDs and guys to talk about maybe their area of expertise, you know, science versus faith or um, or even, you know, relevant issues like gender issues, and which are all kind of timely. But they were saying there's a, a timeless message that we must never move away from, and it's the power of the scriptures and the fact that we need to be convicted of our sins, find forgiveness in Jesus and the cross, and repent and commit our lives to following him and sharing that gospel message. And I thought that was really interesting because here these guys are academics and these are their fields, and yet they say the thing we need to teach the most in the church is about the scriptures and knowing how to come to the word of God. And that was really challenging for me. And uh, of course, they said we should learn the other stuff that they teach as well. But but here in, in light of this passage, the word of God being the sword of the spirit, really knowing how to handle that well, um, but just how appropriate that was as I've been in these classes this week. And 
and also just prayer as I'm thinking about um, our church planning activities that are going to be happening and like what's going to really help prepare our teams as they land in the next month or so. Like, can you believe it? The Boston team, end of June, June 30th, they'll be there. And then our Michigan team, uh, July 17th. And um, I mean, of course, there's some, you know, logistical preparations we can do, but really it comes down to, I think, prayer. And praying, as this passage says, um, from verse 18, praying at all times with all prayer and supplication, with all perseverance and for all the saints. So just uh, wanted to challenge us to recommit ourselves to renewed spirit of prayer for our teams and for ourselves who are staying. All right. Thanks, everyone. Okay. Bye. bye.